I'm going to talk to you today about the Mass. The liturgy is what enculturates the gospel for us. What are you, some kind of altar boy? And, and it enculturates it into our day-to-day life, our, our day-to-day existence. It's pretty dang exciting, huh? We're called not to some crapshoot called life, but to an adventure in fidelity that beckons us to cast out to the deep. The Liturgical Institute is proud to present the Liturgy Guys. Oh, hey, Dennis. Hey, Chris. Oh, so ready. What up, Jacob? I'm so ready. What are you ready for, Dennis? I'm ready for a quiz. Do you have a quiz for us, Chris? Well, I'm ready for <laughs> something else real quick. Before oh. we get into the quiz, you have some some new information, right? About uh, a teaching status or a teaching location. The spring of 2021? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Well, I have about. been informed by the powers that be at Benedictine College, that I will be going on the study abroad in the spring of 2021, which means I'll be with uh, Benedictine College in Settignano, which is a town about 20 minutes outside of Florence. So it's their Florence program. Wow. So that will be awesome. All that time over there. Very awesome. Yes. And you know what I want to do, Dennis? You want to piggyback on my success. Of course. Always. Yes. That's literally my whole life right now. Yeah. It's just... You I have a Liturgy Guys event in I, Florence? Yeah, let's do a Liturgy Guys pilgrimage. And Chris, you can come too. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> and, and, uh, and we'll go out and visit you in Florence and do a little uh, Liturgy pilgrimage in Italy. And if you're interested in joining us for this, because it'll be easier to know if people are very seriously interested. I did tweet about this uh, a couple of months ago. If you're interested in this, Email us at questions at liturgyguys.com. Mention your interest so that we can get a plan together and start figuring this out. Because I think that would be an amazing experience to do a Liturgy Guys pilgrimage in Italy. So Yeah, we could be there in the Duomo of Florence, the Baptistry of Florence, and talk about liturgy stuff right there. Wow. Absolutely. So uh, anyway, Chris, you have a liturgy quiz for us. Oh, yeah. Wow. I don't know anything about this, Jesse, by the way. So Me I'm, either. I'm going to do feel oh, like you on. feel, which is always like, oh, yes, Jesse, old. Insignificant, depressed, yeah. demoralized. I think so, you guys will do just fine. Okay. So okay. This, the answer to number one is try less and let you two to you Very possibly. Answer so number two, this, Jesus. Let, let me tell you the genesis of this. Is that uh, over at Adoramus. First book of the Bible. Over at Adoramus. We are trying to uh, 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 mark uh, appropriately the 50th anniversary of the uh, post-conciliar missile or the missile of Paul VI, right? So it that's came, the one we use now, right? That's the one we use now. So we're celebrating was, the missile launch. Uh, sort of, yes. <laughs> the anniversary of the missile launch. So it began to be used on, uh, what, November 29th or 30th, 1969. So the first first uh, Sunday of the liturgical year, 1970. So if my liturgist math is right, so that's 50 years. And so we wanted to take the occasion to look at the missile and see what people might know or might not know or misunderstand. And so kind of a, we, we ran this in the January uh, issue of Adoramus Bulletin. And so since I know that you guys, let me just pull that since, up. Since you guys don't read that, I thought uh, I could spring it on you here. All right. So this is a test your knowledge of the uh, Roman Missal kind of in general. Okay. You guys want to give it a try? Let's do it. Okay. All right. Wait, wait, yeah. Dennis, do you have your bell? Uh, I have it somewhere. Uh, I think I know where it is. Wait, okay. hold on. Say something. Da, 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 da. <laughs> waiting for the bell. Waiting for the bell. 
L-I-D-U-R-G-Y, we are the liturgy guys. my footsteps when I ran to get the bell? No. No. All right. Well, anyway. Fleet of foot. I made the people, I made the people downstairs for me wonder what was going on up here anyway. If, right, if, I, get, if I get all of them wrong, I will get the Nobel Prize. <laughs> all right. So you guys, should I give uh, each of you, uh, we'll alternate turns to see who gets to answer first? Sure. No. Okay. Sure. Yes, we will. All right. Make Jesse answer first every time. All right, Jesse. Oh, I'm so nervous. You have no. And so some of these are multiple choice or multiple guess. Some are true, false, and some are just flat out answer. You ready? Okay. All right. I'll even. I'll. I'll keep score here. Question number one. Number one. Number one. Which 20th century pope was the first to mention a revision of the Roman Missal? Your Possible answers are A, Pius X from 1903 to 1914, B, Benedict XV from 1914 to 1922, C, Pius XII, 1939 to 58, or D, John XXIII, 1958 to 63. Which one of these four popes was the first to mention revising the Roman Missal? Come on, Jesse. I, you can I believe it. it's Pope Pius X. Where's that bell, Dennis? Oh, man. All right. So he says in this letter, Divino Aflatu. He says. That's what I was thinking about. <laughs> I'm sure you were. Uh, so he, it's, it's about uh, the divine office. But he says it, quote, it will be clear to everybody that by what we have here decreed, we have undertaken the first step to the emendation of the Roman breviary and the Roman Missal. End quote. So that was 1911, Pius X. A flat two means inspiration, by the way. It can also yeah. mean blow up, like blow really? up, <laughs> blow upon. Up so it's the divine blowing up of the things. Divine blowing. Well, that, that may be a better translation. Number two. This oh, one, is this one mine now? Yeah, this is for you. Okay. Gosh, I'm nervous. Jesse. Jesse, get the bell ready. Jesse. Okay. Oh yeah, this is a, this is a harder question, but that's just how that's how the cookie crumbles. Okay. Yep. What's the difference between a missile and a sacramentary? Oh, I think I do know this one. Okay. I'll just give myself a bell. All right, what? that's premature. What's the difference between a missile and a sacramentary? Go well, are you, do you mean uh, classically speaking, or the terms they used in the 20th century? Uh, probably more classical. You're because you're right. They started to get a little hmm, confusing. But well, I learned this from problem. liturgical institute's very own Dr. Lynn Bowden, and uh, in her I sat in her class. And a sacramentary, properly speaking, only has the text of the sacramental formularies, where a missal also has other stuff in it. Right. Um, you're at partial credit right now. What are what are some of the other things that a missal has? Um, like entrance antiphons and, um, well, some of the daily missiles have readings in them, but that would be a lecture, oh. right? No, 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 no. Just, just, is that your final answer? Close enough. Yeah. Close enough. Answer. Yes. Yes. So Should I give myself a bell. Yeah. Give yourself a bell. That's like a half bell. Oh, you'd be quiet over there. Weiler. <laughs> Don't be jealous. So, just because I'm the leader. So generally, uh, a sacramentary contains the text for the priest and there used to be other books for other ministers. So like uh, the graduale would have these antiphons for the, for the cantor, the lectionary would have the readings for the reader. I suppose uh, some sort of ceremoniale would be for the master of ceremonies to follow the ceremonies and things like that. So a sacramentary is 
really the book for the priest. What a missal is, it combines all of these things together in one place. So the missal contains the readings and the antiphons and the instructions and the text for the priest. The idea being that if you were, if you didn't have these other people, a priest could have all of the texts he needed to celebrate the mass by himself. Mm, so and it, one of the mysteries, oh, go ahead. Well, it, it's, it, so it, it's strange though, as you were suggesting before, I mean, now we call this thing the Roman Missal, but you think, well, it doesn't have the readings in it. But if you were to open up the lectionary, it would say the Roman Missal colon the lectionary. So it's like we have a, a oh. ginormous Roman Missal that's about 2000 pages long uh, it, or more, I suppose, 20,000. And so it's just divided up into different books. So even though they're not all within one single cover, the Missal is all of this stuff versus a sacramentary, which is just the priest stuff. Okay. Now in the 20th century, after Vatican II, they put out a Missal, right? Mm -hmm. The 65 Missal or 64. Then the sacramentary was that they called the next edition. And now we call it a, a Missal again. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, what I read about this was, and I mean, what I heard at a, at a conference was that the, the sacrament, the missile came out and everybody's like, Hey, we have a missile. Uh Oh, we have to buy another thing now after the parish just spent tons of money on the book for mass and they had to buy another one so that the American publishers actually called it a sacramentary. So people mm -hmm. wouldn't think they were buying the same thing twice. And then when they <laughs> translated the most recent one, it said Missale on it. So they brought it back to the original intentionality. Isn't that interesting how practicality changes the words? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard that same thing too. I, I don't, but I've only heard it. I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, interesting marketing, but uh, whatever the, the truth of the, the, of that story is that's supposed to be the difference between a missile and a sacramentary. Good. Okay. You want to go to the next one? Your turn, Jesse. Yes. Jesse. Number three, true or false? The Missal of Paul VI downplays the sacrificial nature of the Mass. False. <laughs> That's absolutely false. <laughs> so, uh, I'm really glad that I don't get the short answer question yeah, so oh, far. Yeah, you'll, you'll get some. Uh, yeah, it's false. I mean, read, for example, here's the opening line of the general instruction on the Roman Missal. It says, as Christ the Lord was about to celebrate with the disciples the Paschal Supper in which he instituted the sacrifice of his body and blood, he commanded that a large furnished room be prepared. And then it goes on to say the church has always taken this command to itself. But the whole first 15 paragraphs of the general instruction of the Roman Missal are about the sacrificial nature of the Mass. So for, it goes on. And number two, it says the sacrificial nature of the mass solemnly defended by the Council of Trent was once more stated by the Second Vatican Council and is absolutely clearly expressed in this missal. So, you know, whatever people might think about the missal downplaying uh, the sacrificial nature of the mass, it was at least in the minds of, I don't know, well, I should put it this way. It's in the texts of certainly the germ that it's trying to emphasize more clearly the sacrificial nature of the mass, not trying to downplay it. No matter what people's lived experience was at the time. Yeah. All right. All good. right. Dennis, back to you. Yes, Number sir. Four, which liturgical minister is presumed mm -hmm. in the first post-conciliar missile, which came out in 1969, but no longer exists in the present 
edition of the Roman Missal from 2002. Would that be the subdeacon? That was my guess. That's a good guess. It's the right one. Yeah. So the first missile in 1969, the the I guess the sorter the minor order or suborder of uh, subdeacon still exists. So if you were to open up the first post conciliar missile, it would say, for example, the subdeacon is ordained to serve at the altar and to assist the priest in the deacon. And then when uh, Ministeria Quaidam came along in 72, I think we did a podcast on that once upon a time, Paul VI uh, suppressed, I suppose is the best way to say it, uh, the subdeacon. He says the subdiaconate no longer exists in the Latin church, except, of course, it does in the extraordinary form. So all this is uh, rather confusing. But Dennis, that is the right answer. Subdeacons in the first edition, no subdeacon in the second. Great. Should we go to the next one? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. If, if everybody's batting a thousand so far. So All right. Do. So this is a uh, number five, Jesse. What was quote the aim to be considered before all else end quote in the reform and restoration of the missile? Active participation. Bam. That's an easy one. Yeah. So this. I'm not uh, going to give you a bell for that. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, okay. This uh, this full and active participation by all the churches, the aim to be considered before all else in the reform of the liturgy. Good. How come, okay. Chris? How come? Hey, so I'll we can ask, all feel I'll included. Ask the questions here, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so you tell us. Because active participation in the liturgy is the means by which we assemble as the mystical body of Christ and offer ourselves as sacrifices to the Father so that we can share in the glory of Christ's resurrection. That's not something you watch if you're a serious Christian. It's something you do so you can have it happen to you. Fairy tales can come true. It could happen to you if you participate actively. Okay. In the liturgy. Number six. Number six. (laughs) Chris has had enough of our studies. Oh, oh, okay. Dennis, okay. Which missile, the Tridentine or the Novus Ordo, was compiled by a special group of experts? Which missile, the Tridentine or the Novus Ordo, was compiled by a special group of experts? Well, I know for sure that the Novus Ordo was... Because right, it was because called we, the Concilium. Yeah, I don't know who did the Paul the, Paul the Six talked about that in Sacrum Liturgiam. He's going to he's going to establish a special group. Okay, mm-hmm. is so, it both? Is it? Uh, I just no. I've never heard who put together the mess the Missile of Trent, but I assume it wasn't Pius V. So I would say both. It is both. Yay! Yeah. Ooh, so council, tricky question. The Council of Trent itself didn't. Uh, reform uh, the 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 Tridentine Missal itself. What Pius V says. So this is in the uh, the document called Quo Primum, which uh, promulgates the Missal of Trent in 1570. All right. So the Council of Trent ended in uh, 1563, and in 1570, uh, the Missal of uh, Pius V was promulgated. He says, "Quote: We decided to entrust this work of re-editing the Missal to learned men of our selection." They very carefully collated all their work with the ancient codices in our Vatican library and with reliable, preserved or amended codices from elsewhere, end quote. Mm-hmm. A codex right. is, a, is a book, right? I guess so. Codices is the plural of codex. 
which is like one of those big books. This is what you call a typical edition, right? Where you look at all the different versions and see what's common to all, and then you can root out little mistakes. So they, they still do things like that, typical edition of Aquinas or typical edition of the Church Fathers or whatever. And back in the day when people had to write everything by hand, one little mistake would then get copied again and again and again. And so they had to look at all of them and find out what was common to all. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. So both missiles. Good. All right, Jesse, we're back to you. All right. This might be the hardest question thus far. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Listen carefully. Parts of the first Latin edition of the Missale Romanum of St. Paul VI were available to use on November 30th, 1969. When was the first English language sacramentary available for use? Ooh. Are you looking for a year? Well, why don't you start with that? Yeah. So the first... Um, the parts of the first edition were available on November 30th, 1969. So we, we did a couple podcasts on some of these, uh, I guess they were Wednesday audiences of, uh, uh, Paul the six, where he talks about in mm-hmm. a few weeks time now, at least in the Italian speaking dioceses, we're going to start to use this. And he goes on to talk about, uh, about that. Well, that was in, in, uh, Italy. Uh, but when, did they have a, a kind of a bound, the first English bound version of the sacramentary available for us to use in the United States? Ooh, all right. You want 19, an actual day and year? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, if you get the year, I'll give you the point. 1973. Oh, close. It's 1974. Oh, man. 1974. So this is, uh, this is the timeline of how all this went down. So in April, 1969, Paul VI writes Missale Romanum. That's the apostolic constitution, I think, that promulgates the new missal. But the strange thing was, is it actually wasn't ready <laughs> yet. So when 19, when November 69 came around, all they had available was the new general instruction and the order of mass. That was it. And some prefaces. And those were able to be translated. Okay. And then it wasn't until March 1970 that the other half of the Latin typical edition became available where they had all of the other priest prayers, orations, and the rest of the prefaces. Uh, What they did for the United States was they translated into English at least the order of mass. And that was available in 1970. And so if you ever get your hands on one of these, it was designed you know, Dennis, you were talking about the sacramentary. The publishers released a sacramentary in 1966. And then when this new uh, order of mass in English came out, they made it so you could take like a, an exacto knife and cut out the pages of the old 1966 order of mass, which was still, I think, still in Latin. And you could you could stick into this sacramentary, this new English translation in 1970. But the whole thing wasn't available. It became, uh, I should put it this way. It became available in July of 74 and mandatory for use in December of 1974. Wow. I did not know that. I always assumed yeah. the 70 missile came out in 1970. Yeah. No, no, it didn't. Well, it, yeah, it, it even, even the Latin came out in pieces. And then they took, you know, the next four or five years to translate it into the various languages. So, Jesse, I'm sorry. That is a really difficult question to answer. And it sounds like Dennis would have got it wrong, too. So yeah, that's I great. Would have, oh, yeah. no, I would I'm have gotten it wrong before. disappointed in you, however. Yeah. What? No, what? Okay. No. And see, the next one's a softball, too. Oh, Dennis, yeah. Number eight, true or false. The general instruction of the Roman Missal describes the new missile's break with the Tridentine Missal and the larger tradition. 
Can you repeat that? True uh, or false? The germ, the postconciliar germ, describes the new missile's break with the Tridentine missile and the larger tradition. That's got to be false. That's absolutely false. But, but there are a lot of people, Dennis, on, if you can put it this way, on both sides of the spectrum, you know, whether you're progressive or traditionalists who think that's exactly what they were trying to do uh, for good or for ill was to kind of uh, breach this new territory that wasn't, you know, held back by, you know, the Tridentine thinking and shackles and whatever else. And the interesting thing about that is most people don't really pay too much attention to what the books say. I mean, people do listen to the words, but -hmm. what they really respond to is, is the music crummy? Is the priest casual? Is the church ugly? Is the are the vestments cheap? Is it being celebrated reverently? And so, um, yeah, people can see the same text and then have it surrounded by sac- uh, desacralizing tendencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, if you if you were to read, well, let, let's even back up further. So I, I mentioned a bit ago this Apostolic Constitution by Paul the Sixth in April of 1969. Do you remember the name of it? I don't. Missale Romanum. Oh, well, that's a hard one. Okay. But which Missale Romanum, right? Because we're talking about a whole collection, a whole variety of Missale Romani here. Which Missale Mm -hmm. Romanum is Paul VI referencing in his apostolic constitution to promulgate the post-conciliar missile? Uh, well, it wasn't the one that came out after that, was it? Well, I or guess was it, it was. Well, <laughs> he's talking about the current one, though. But it's what he says here is the Missale Romanum promulgated in accordance with the decree of the Council of Trent by your predecessor, St. Paul V in 1570. You know, I, I don't think that's insignificant that the apostolic constitution, the first words of it are in reference to the missile of the Council of Trent. Hmm. And you cannot read again. It's. Like you say, read the document, go to the text. In the first 15 paragraphs of the general instruction, references are made uh, in, literally in almost every single paragraph to either the Council of Trent or Pope Pius V or the Missal of 1570, everywhere. And then even in number six, it says the two Roman missiles, that is the post-conciliar and the Tridentine, although four centuries have intervened, embrace one in the same tradition, end quote. So again, as I say, whether you think the council was trying trying to break away from the tradition for a good reason or trying to break away for a bad reason, the fact is that it wasn't trying to break away at all, at least according right. to the text themselves. It was always trying to bring out the same true and good thing that had always been what the mass was, but to scrape the barnacles off. And sometimes people think scraping off the barnacles is to scrape into the, the meat of the thing itself. Yeah, well, you know, that, that's a good point, though. And, and that, I think, is something that could be, in fact, we talk about all the time. Was there too much scraping? Was there too much uh, discarding? Was there too much simplification? Were, but, you know, at least at least what they were trying to do here was uh, good and wise. And that's what the church has always done, you know, for, for, for the course of her life. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Dennis, you have four points. Jesse, you have three. We're, yes. You still with us, Jesse? Of course. All right. Let's see. Dennis, no. I got to take Dennis down. Let's see. Are we up to, we're to number nine now. Okay. How many total are there? There's 10. There's 10. Okay. All right. So you better hope I get the next one wrong. The best you can mm-hmm. do is tie. <laughs> All right. So number nine, which of the following lines is not from the post-conciliar missile? 
All right. Which of the following lines is not to be found in the postconciliar missal? Letter A. No Catholic would now deny a sacred rite celebrated in Latin to be legitimate and efficacious. Letter B. The liturgical norms of the Council of Trent have certainly been completed and perfected in many particulars by those of the Second Vatican Council. Letter C. Pastors of souls should take liberties to adapt the ritual wherever necessary to the sensibilities of participants. And letter D. The nature of the ministerial priesthood proper to the bishop and the priest who offer the sacrifice in the person of Christ who preside over the gathering of the holy people shines forth in the form of the rite itself on account of the more prominent place and function given to the priest. Well, you got all that, Jesse. I do. And I would bet Dennis's IRA that it is letter C. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's letter C. Dennis, you can keep your money. Thank you. Right. And you know, $7. In you there. guys know how I think and kind of what's on this. Right. I'm trying to. The write. giveaway was liberties. <laughs> We're trying, you know, you can write a 4,000 word essay about uh, the Roman Missal and Adoramus Bullet, or you can try to go at it, you know, a little bit different way. And this is one of these different ways that we're trying to actually get people into the texts of the missile and to kind of address some of these common misunderstandings that uh, I think many of us uh, have, or at least have been taught. Uh, but you're right. Nowhere is it found in there that pastors of souls should take liberties to adapt the ritual wherever necessary. Now, that's not to say that there aren't legitimate places where uh, the priest celebrant can make particular limited adaptations to the group, but kind of a take liberties whenever necessary is not to be found in that. But even notice some of the other ones. <laughs> I, I just laugh at that first one. No Catholic would now deny a sacred rite celebrated in Latin to be legitimate and efficacious. I, I thought that did not sound like the language of the council at first. Did you write honest. that yourself, Chris, or did you quote no, somebody? No, those other three are direct quotes right out of the general instruction. It, that sounded different to me, so I was that that piqued my interest. But but no, isn't that what's funny? I mean, there are, there are how how many Catholics absolutely deny that a celebration celebrated in Latin is no longer legit or efficacious. You bet. Tons of them. Tons of them. So I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, this other one I thought too is that, uh, you know, what Trent was trying to do has now been in many particulars perfected by the Second Vatican Council. I'm sure that would have a lot of people uh, grow. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and the other one, too, you know, this this idea that the council or whatever is trying to downplay the role of the priest, at least according to the words of the German saying just the opposite. There's a much more prominent and clear place given to the priest as the one who's offering the sacrifice. So, again, this at least is what uh, was in the mind of uh, Paul the Sixth. Okay, Dennis. Yes. All you have to do is get this right to be the uh, to be the winner here. I'm feeling the fluntude okay. right now. Okay, this is uh, this is a multiple choice here. Question number ten is this: Which council hmm. does the general instruction of the Roman Missal cite when directing that quote? At each mass, the faithful present should communicate not only by spiritual desire but also by sacramental reception of the Eucharist, end quote. Right? So again, here's the line. At each mass, the faithful present should communicate not only by spiritual desire, but also by sacramental reception of the Eucharist. Which council said this? See, because the germ 
quotes one of these four councils. The first option, Council of Nicaea, 325. Second, the Council of Trent, 1545 to 63. Letter C, Council of Pistoia, infamous council from 1786. D, the Second Vatican Council, 62 to 65. So the germ is quoting one of those councils when it says that line about it's desirous that people communicate not only spiritually, but in actual fact through the sacrament. Well, I'm a bit torn here, Chris. Okay. Yes. And here's why I'm torn. I'm torn because I know the right answer because I taught <laughs> this in class last week. <laughs> what I'm torn about is if Dang I give it. the right answer, I'll win. If uh -huh. I give the wrong answer, Jesse and I will be tied and there'll be harmony among the liturgy guys. Yeah. So, I'll even you though, probably need a tiebreaker, though. Your conscience. Even though I know that the answer is the Council of Trent, I'm going to say the Council of Pistoia. Dennis, the Council of Pistoia is wrong. I'm sorry. Tiebreaker, tiebreaker. I don't have any tiebreakers. You're okay, going to have to ride off into the sunset being uh, uh, equal contributors to this literature. Can I just say, though, yeah. who among us was the winner of the Quizzical Papist, though? I was. You were not. Oh, I won. In my memory, I was. In my subjective experience, I was the winner. Right. On further consideration then, because Dennis, you answered, even though I know it's the Council of Trent, I'm going to say Pistoia. I'm going to give you half a point for that. Take so that, now, Jesse. So now, Dennis, you're the winner at four and a half points. And Jesse, you're the loser at only four. Uh, loser. <laughs> and you're still tied then. Okay. Sounds good. How good can job, I be the winner boy. and we still be tied? Because as Jesse pointed out, he was the winner of the quizzical papers. Oh, I see. So and now we're tied winner. in winning of things. Yeah. Okay. Got yeah. it. See, I just want peace and harmony and concord among. Mm -hmm. That's not what the Council of Trent wanted. <laughs> it, it, they wanted us to receive actually, not just spiritually. Chris wants A, peace and harmony, B, to go home in 10 minutes, C, to cough, <laughs> D, all of the above. All of the above. That is true. But all let's right. get back to this Trent thing, right? Because people yeah. think that receiving communion at every mass was some kind of invention of the 20th century. It was mentioned, as you say, in Trent, and it took 400 years to get it done. Kind of an amazing, amazing thing. Yeah, it's true. I, this liturgical history is very hard to try to, to see clearly. Um, but, uh, and it's hard to tell how frequently, you know, people were actually receiving the Eucharist. But the one thing that I think that is the constant is that the church as the, as the mystical body, as, uh, you know, carrying on Christ's mission, you know, Christ himself said, Akchipite, uh, Bibite, manducate, you know, these are commands to take and to eat and to drink. And so the church has always desired that the people can receive worthily and properly unto their sanctification. So, yeah, that's what Trent wanted. Second Vatican Council. And what Trent wants, Trent gets. Even if it Whatever takes. Whatever Trent wants. 400 years later. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Trent right. gets. And little man, the council wants you. Okay. You know that song, Chris? Never heard of it. That's whatever Lola wants from Damn Yankees. Okay. And I remember it because uh, Lola is the Tagalog word for grandmother, and, and that's what we call uh, my mother-in-law, Lola. Uh, and whatever Lola wants. It's true. Lola gets. Lola gets. All right. Awesome quiz, Chris. Yeah, thanks, guys. I like winning stuff. I like being Jesse and things. So, okay, awesome. 
We need to get a quiz together for Chris here, Dennis. Oh yeah. <laughs> we'll quiz him about every coffee talk episode to see if he to see if he listens to any coffee talks. <laughs> what was my dissertation about, Chris? Uh, it was Ooh. about ecclesiastical church architecture in the 20th century. Oh, that's because you read part of it in class all those years ago. Anyway, we'll find questions you can't answer. All right. Okay. Awesome. Hey, we're going to do one more uh, Liturgy and Donut episode this week, and then we'll switch back to the Liturgy Guy questions next Lars. week. So, uh, so we have another one for you. Yeah. Lars says he's looking for his uh, royalties check, too. When does that come? The same time well, mine comes. When he turns 18, <laughs> then we start paying him. Okay. So in the meantime, it goes to... Uh, to you. It's slave labor. Child labor laws are kicking in. <laughs> I don't know. Ask Macaulay Culkin how that works okay. out. Okay. All right. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Bye, guys. Lars, what's your favorite part about mass? Eating donut. You eat donuts in church? Yeah, when it's done. That's good. That's my favorite part of the church. Donut? No thanks. Do you have any fruit? It has purple stuff inside. Purple is a fruit. And now, a new episode of Liturgy and Donuts. Hey Lars. Hi Papa. What's on your mind today? Mm, the difference of the devil and God. Yeah, what's the difference between the devil and God? Uh, the devil has horns and pinchforks. Mm-hmm. And? He likes red better than white. Okay. Uh, so, and what about God then? Uh, God, uh, he wants people to go to heaven, mm -hmm. but the devil doesn't. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, so that's probably more more true right it's not so much what they might look like although i suppose that's important it's that god what's god want of you uh to be good okay and the devil doesn't okay because god wants you to go where to heaven and the devil wants you to go to hell okay but do you think god just wants you to be kind of sad in this world until you get to heaven no Okay, what's God want you, what's God want your life to be like on earth? Happy, kind. Mm -hmm. And what's the devil want your life to be like on earth? Sad, mean. Mm -hmm. So, see, the, but a lot of people think is that uh, if you're going to follow Jesus and be a saint, then that means you're going to be sad and you can't do things and you're going to have to go without things. But do you think? Being like Jesus on this earth. Now, again, being in heaven, that'll be cool. But what about on the earth until we get to heaven? Does God want us to be sad? No. So is following Jesus make you sad? Or is it, what is it? What's following Jesus like? It's like he helps you love him and be happy and not be sad. And he helps you to do good things and not to sin. Do you think about this? When, when you sin which everybody does. Does sinning make you happy or does it make you sad? Makes me sad. Yeah. It kind of seems like it might be a good idea at the time, but in the end, it kind of makes you sad, doesn't it? And maybe one other thing we could say is that when you uh, do good things, who do you start to, I don't know, who do you start to imitate and look like? Mm, I mean, you were just like, like God and especially Jesus, right? 
And Jesus made you in his image, and he wants you to look like him, and that's what we call a saint. Now, the devil, if you do devilish things and bad things, who will you look like? Uh, the devil. Yeah, he's pretty ugly, too. Horns, and what did you say he had? Uh, a pinchfork. A pinchfork, yeah. Yeah. His is red. Yeah, and he likes red. Okay. All right, well, be good this week and be happy and be loving and be joyful and be like Jesus and you'll look like him even more tomorrow, okay? Okay. Now that's a podcast. The Liturgy Guys is brought to you by the Liturgical Institute at the University of St. Mary of the Lake, Adoremus, Society for the Renewal of the Sacred Liturgy, and the Center for Beauty and Culture at Benedictine College.